All right, before I get to my next guest, Tom Patria, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. Check them out online at PositiveVibesGolf.com and give them a follow on Twitter at PVibesGolf. Their head covers and putter covers are a very unique way to keep your mind focused on positive thoughts. They're a great on-course training aid for me. I tell you what, keeps your mind in a positive way and puts those positive images. You got to see, you got to see the putter covers and you got to see the head covers. Put those positive images in your mind. So every time you walk back to the bag, you feel a little bit better. Get a little smile on your face. You're going to even play better. Now, right now they've got an auction going on, uh, with, for a beautiful custom made Bradley putter. Uh, with the proceeds going to help folks devastated by the recent flooding over in Spain. So please go check out that auction and bid on it so that uh, folks can, uh, you know, they can get those proceeds over to the folks that need it. Again, check it out online, PositiveVibesGolf.com and on their Twitter page, at PVibesGolf. I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Two Under Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is our resident director of golf, Tom Patry. Tom is a Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor, served this summer at, as the uh, director of instruction at the Hawthorns Golf and Country Club up in Fishers, Indiana. Shortly, he's going to be heading back down to Naples, Florida for his uh, winter residency down there. You can visit him at the Esplanade Golf and Country Club. Uh, you know, Start signing up now, folks. So look, you can get golf lessons from TP, and you can sign up for them by going on his website, tompatry.com, P-A-T-R-I, tompatry.com. Also sign up for his newsletter while you're on there as well. And it's always a privilege to have him here as part of the show. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Christopher, my boy, good evening. Good evening. How are you, my friend? You doing all right? I'm doing good. Now, let me say something. How cool is Dr. Jones? Is he like the coolest guy in the whole world? Yes. I love Doc. Yeah, he is awesome. absolutely spectacular. He's, yes, he is. He's, he's, he's awesome. I, I love listening to him. He, I've, I've only had the privilege of meeting him one time in person. But, you know, Chris, he's just – I follow him on all the social media pages he's on and, and – uh, He's such a positive, uplifting, just just a great influence. What a what a class act he is. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more, my friend. So, Tom, I, I want to start off. I got a, a couple of different directions I want to go with you tonight. And 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 you and I have talked about the new young guns coming out on tour with the Matthew Wolfs and the Colin Morikawas, you know, coming out and making an immediate impact. Both have gotten wins since they joined the the PGA Tour. And now, last weekend, twenty year old Joaquin Neiman, and you talked about Joaquin a couple of months ago when you were on the show. And not only does he win this past weekend at the Greenbrier, but he does so by six strokes, Tom. Guys, fearless out yeah. there. Talk about these new young guns and what the expectation, because these guys look like they can win multiple times in the next year. Well, I, I, first of all, Chris, I think the word rookie is, is, 
no longer a relevant term because by the time we see these people on the PGA Tour, the people who don't follow golf closely enough, like maybe you and I do and some people do, they just are occasional tuner-inners, are missing the fact that these guys have been seasoned by very, very high-level college programs, very, very high-level amateur events during the summers and have paid their dues already on the Corn Ferry Tour. So by the time, by the time that the average Joe watches them playing the PGA Tour, these guys are very well-seasoned and very hungry and very well-trained, and they are absolutely fearless because they've, they've already been through the wars, you know, working their way to the PGA Tour. These guys are not rookies anymore. So their performance, I don't think, surprises anybody that they're playing against on tour, the older guys. They, they, those older guys know they're coming, know who they are, know, know well in advance how talented they are. Um, but uh, Joaquin put on a hell of a show on Sunday, shooting 64 the last round and just kind of pulling away and lapping the field. But, uh, you know, Maura Cower and Matt Wolf and, and Victor Hovland and, and, you know, you can go on. There's five or six others that are just, you know, we're going to really enjoy golf the next 15 years. It's going to be awesome. So, Tom, as, as we look at, you know, the wraparound season and, you know, that that tournament this past weekend was the kickoff to the 2020 golf season. So I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts, right? We, we know a lot of the, the big names, the, the, the Rory's and the Ricky Fowler's and the Justin Thomas's, Brooks Kepka, et cetera, et cetera, are probably not going to be playing an awful lot between now and, and the end of the calendar year. Typically those guys pick it back up in January. But your thoughts, are, are, is this still compelling golf on the PGA Tour? Are you going to be paying attention to who wins week in and week out or or is it time to, uh, you know, yeah, oh, by the way, this guy won, that guy won. I'll, I'll pick this thing back up in January. Yeah, well, I guess that's a, you know, that's a loaded question with me, Chris, and you're, you're teeing me up for, uh, for the, for the slaughter <laughs> here, but, uh, I, but I, I, I watch golf every week. I watch golf being played overseas every week, you know, like it's being played in, at, at, at Wentworth in England this, this, this season, right? I mean, this week right now on the European tour, I watched the Solheim Cup just ended. You know, I watch PGA Tour events, so I watch, but I'm a, you know, I'm a golf professional. It's my life. I, you know, competing at one time was part of my life, so I am interested. But I, do I think it's overdone? You know I do. Do I think that the wraparound season is relevant? No, I don't. Um, do I think these guys need a rest? Yes, I do. And do I think the PGA Tour has gotten a little too money hungry? Yes, I do. So I don't think it's a healthy place for these guys right now. I think you're, you're burning the candle at both ends right now. Um, but yes, I do watch it, but don't, no, I don't agree with it. So to that point, Tom, you, you, you talked about rest because it, it would seem like, you know, for if the guys just kept on playing, right, if they were going to play in, you know, these events in the back end of the season or what is now actually the front end of the season, which is crazy. But it, your bodies are going to start breaking down, are they not? I mean, you, you can't just you can't well, play that much golf, can you? Well. Well, Chris, look, look at look at the injuries we've seen, right? We've seen we've seen elbows, we've seen wrists, we've seen knees, we've seen backs, we've seen necks, we've seen more of all those than we've ever seen before. So I get I guess that speaks for itself. I don't think anybody has to prove that to anybody. I mean, you know, I think these guys are hitting too many golf shots or on too many planes, trains, and automobiles. They're they're you know just constantly going and, and constantly pushing themselves because it's so competitive out there. I, I think we're really hurting the athlete. I think we're shortening their careers. I think we're putting at more risk for injury and more risk for, you know, for serious injury. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I think, I think the facts speak for themselves. 
So to that, you know, to that point, Tom, I mean, we, we've, we've seen Tiger go through the myriad of injuries, the knees and obviously the back and the things that, that he's had to deal with over the course of time. Is, is the PGA Tour going to have to wait until we get to, you know, Brooks and these guys getting to 40 years old, 35 years old, and then start to see, oh, we got the shoulder surgeries, to your point. We got the back surgery. Shoulder. Hey, you know what? Maybe this is too much golf. Hey, maybe we need to back this thing down and go back to the way it used to be so we can give these guys four or five months off of rest before we ask them to come back out and play in our tournaments. I mean, is it going to take these guys that we're seeing now that are in their late 20s and 30s get to their mid to late 30s and have these same sort of Tiger-esque in- injuries before we figure out this is just too much on the body? No, I don't think the PGA Tour is going to do a thing about it at all. I really don't. I think the, the, machine, the big machine is going to keep on moving. I think, with, I think the onus and the responsibility is going to fall on the individual player to be extremely careful about their scheduling make sure they're, you know, four on and two off or three on and two off and, and that they have to rest and they can't play 35 events. They can't play 27 events. And, and so what that does is puts, when they do have to perform and you have to get on the stage, they've got to be ready to go and put their foot on the gas. It's going to get more and more competitive and more hyper competitive. And, you know, you are going to have guys that push it too hard and they're going to get hurt, but the PGA tour is not going to back off. That's, that's a business. It's like the NFL. It's like the NBA. It's like Major League Baseball. It's like, you know, pit, we're looking at pitch counts now and, and things like that in baseball that we never really heard of 15 years ago, pitch counts or things like that. And we're looking at, uh, you know, people in, well, what about football this last week? How many quarterbacks went down this last week? I mean, uh, I think we're pushing all these athletes a little too hard um, and, and too often. And, and you know, think about the NFL, thinking about going to adding two games to their schedule. That's, that's insane. You know, I mean, we're just, we're, we're going in the wrong direction here on those things. TP, I want to switch it up a little bit and get some playing lessons from you. And um, I saw a tip that you posted over, over the last week about grip and using your hands. Since our hands are the only connection we have, you know, to the golf club, what's the proper use of our hands during the swing? Well, let's see, Chris. We we shave with our hands. We we dial a phone with our hands. We brush our teeth with our hands. We feed ourselves with our hands. Uh, we open a doorknob with our hands. We steer the car with our hands. We tie our shoes with our hands. It seems to me that our hands are pretty well educated. <laughs> that they're they're pretty much able to do whatever we wanted to do. So if you don't think the hands have a role in squaring the club face up, then then you and I are not on the same page. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna get holy help in this. From everybody in the in the in the community that teaches, you know, body, you know, the big muscles. And, and listen, I I definitely think this, the big muscles have a huge role in, in in power, and creating power. But I think the hands are kind of like the steering wheel of the car. They they direct the club face, um, as a primary influence, you know. And, and I I was very fortunate in my career, really fortunate in my career, to spend time with Mr. Bob Toski and, and a man named Mr. Jim Flick, and and. You know, they came from a different generation, and it was a pre-track man, pre-video generation, and and they had a real, real love affair with the hands and the golf swing, and, and what the influence was of the hands. So, listen, I I definitely think that the big muscles have a role in creating power, and have and have a role, but I think the hands also have have a role in the golf swing. And I've always been somebody that taught, in part of my teaching, was hands based and and understanding the role of the hands 
has influence the club face and the arrival of the impact point. So, um, and, and you're not going to change me from, from believing that. I, no matter what you tell me or do with me, it's not going to change. Now, I, I have to admit, some of my peers will laugh right now, I recently uh, purchased a track man. <laughs> the dinosaur actually bought a track man. Um, and, and he's really, and, and he's, and he's going to also admit that after fighting it for a long time, he's really enjoying it. But I think, I think the dinosaur is also using the track man a little differently than a lot of people are using it. He uses it sparingly. He uses it, uh, very conservatively. He gets certain numbers from it that he wants to understand and convey to the student and then he puts it away. It's not on 24 7, 365. We don't look at every swing we make during an hour golf lesson with the track man on and we don't stare at the screen. We get a few numbers, we quantify what we're trying to do and we move on. So, um, you know, I've always been a video guy, so I'm now I'm combining my, my, my video that's been with me for you know, a better part of 30 years with, with some track man numbers and with my eye and with my experience. And I think blending those four things together makes me pretty good at what I do. Um, but yeah, I think the hands have a huge role in the golf swing. Chris. I mean, I, I, I played 18, I had an 18 hole playing lesson this afternoon and, and I made first time in, 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 in a long time, I made 18 straight pars. Um, and, I had a lot of birdie putts that I didn't make, and I felt my hands felt terrible on the putter. They just they didn't feel good on the putter, and I never got comfortable with them on the putter. So consequently, I didn't hold any putts. And and two days ago, I, I I hit it half as good as I hit it tonight. I mean, didn't even hit near as good as I hit it tonight. And the putter felt great in my hands, and I made six birdies. So tell me if the hands didn't make the difference in my round tonight. I, I'd have to say that they probably did. And Tom, I think where a lot of us go wrong, and I, and I really want to get your thought on this, is when we're at a dress, particularly you know on on the tee, but anywhere really on a golf course. When we're at a dress, I think the first move we often make is taking the hands away from the golf ball. And I'm I'm curious to get your thought as a as a you know the the very first move should it be with our hands moving? Should it be with our lead shoulder? Moving, how how are you taking on the on the takeaway on our backswing? What's our first move? Well, I I got to give you a lot of credit here because you're trying to back me into a corner. I love that about you. That's wonderful. <laughs> so I I won't take the I won't take I won't take the bait. I'll, I'll take care of you and I'm I'm going to rope and tie you right now. No, I don't think the hands start <laughs> the backswing. I do not think the hands. Start, I think it's called a backswing because those big muscles in your back have a primary role a primary role in starting the car down the road. The back turns, the arms swing, and the hands and wrists eventually set. So we have a we have a turn, we have a swing, and we have a set. We have a blended action between those three groups and putting the club in motion. And ha ha, you didn't get me on that one. So good try, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> I wasn't trying to get you on it because I tell you what, I, I think I'm as guilty as any weekend hacker that that my first move is typically take, you know with you know I'm yeah. my is with my hands I take the hands and, and then the shoulders sort of follow with them and that's a great point cuz that's it's one of the things I say to people anytime you put the club in motion or move the shaft away from the golf ball you've got to you've got to support the swinging of the golf club with a turning body so again I think everybody you know it's, you know everybody has a role in this in this endeavor you know my shoulders and my torso and my back muscles have a role my arms have a role and my hands and wrists have a role in making this, making this, you know, this train roll smoothly down the tracks. So no, I don't think the hands start the backswing, but I think they participate in the backswing 
in their in their area and and so do the back muscles and so do the arm swing so i think it's a blended action at that point i teach hands mostly in terms of club face impact point and that the club face is going to be influenced in impact and if you're really talented with your hands and i think people like well i think certainly people like tiger in his, in his career or especially early you know 02 03 04 was very gifted in manipulating the face of the club and doing things with the club to make the ball do different things. We saw some incredible golf shots hit around trees and over trees and, and, you know, over bunkers and, you know, with short shots, especially, you know, the guy had an incredible pair of hands, but yet used his big muscles very well too. So I, I think you have to understand the role and how you move these things together. So, and, and this is you know, my apologies, folks, because I'm getting a golf lesson here as 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 we speak. Because I'm thinking of my own golf swing, Tom. So, should my hand not finest, move until I get the to the finest swings on the planet? One of the, one of the <laughs> finest swings on the planet, I might say too. <laughs> is is my which first is, movement with my hand supposed? What's that? No, go ahead. Finish your question. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, as I'm thinking through my golf swing, is the first time my hands get involved when I get to uh, the part of my backswing where I got the wrist cock and I'm, you know, sort of get trying to get the club as, as close to parallel as a 54 year old can can get the club the club to parallel? Because am I keeping I, I that triangle pure? Well, let me ask you a question. If you look at, well, actually, I won't ask a question. I'll make a statement. If you look at the top of Tiger's backswing. He's got a very flat left wrist, but he's got a very neutral grip, okay? And you get to the top of Freddie Couples' backswing, who has a really strong left hand, yet his grip, his left-hand wrist is very, very cupped. So I think you have to understand the combination and role of how do I grip the club, and then what position do I put it on the top based on what kind of flight am I trying to make happen? Am I trying to hit a high cut? Am I hit a sweeping draw, a relatively straight shot, a high shot, a low shot? What am I trying to do? And it's a combination at the top of, you know, how are my hands on the club to start out with? And then what do I do at the top of my backswing in terms of is, is my left wrist flat? Is it cupped? Is it is it convex like a Dustin Johnson? And what does that cause to happen? How does that influence the face of the club? So, um, you know, Freddie grips the club really, really strong with his left hand, but gets really cupped at the top, which causes him to have a slightly open club face. And then he releases as hard as he wants, but it never goes left. He hits a cut. So that's that's almost like savant genius type stuff. I mean, you can't teach that. That that's that's almost freakosaurus type type stuff. Um, so if you understand the combinations of grip strength or grip position, if you will, and left wrist position at the top, you can make a lot of different things happen with the golf ball. But I I think we're at a four hundred one level, and we start thinking that way. So when I have Chris in front of me, what's your handicap, my friend? 12. 12. You, you've got to get that golf club in a pretty pretty pristine condition, make him understand the condition of his left hand and address and how he grips the club and where he's trying to set the club to and in what condition he's trying to set the club to at the top of his backswing based on whatever ball fight he asks me to create for him. When people come to me, I don't tell them what kind of ball fight they want. I ask them what they want. Are you more comfortable hitting a draw? Are you more comfortable hitting a fade? Do you want to hit it higher? Do you want to hit it lower? What do you want to do? Because whatever you want to do, we can design that. We can make that happen. But you have to tell me what you want, and I'll explain how it's going to happen then. 
Tom, you've also got a great tip that I saw recently on social media using a tape measure uh, on the putting green. Talk about what what that drill does. Okay, well, I, Chris, you know, I, I've always been blessed. And although I didn't shake any in today, which was very frustrating, I, I in my career, I've really been a pretty good putter. I, I putted, you know, I think in my college career especially, I putted at a very high level. I, I You know, looking back, back when I played a lot of golf and I worked on my golf game a lot, uh, in 80 and 81 uh, in, in my college career, um, you know, I was lucky enough to win five or six college tournaments in an NCAA Division II. Um, the only two players I played with in my college career that I thought putted better than me were Corey Pavin and, and Willie Wood. And I thought after that, I didn't think anybody putted any better than I did. Um, so I was, I thought I was pretty good at that. Um, but I, I always believed and I always saw the putter putting the ball in this way. I think every putt is straight. And you aim it at a certain point, and then you you dictate what speed you want, and you let the ground be your friend. So, I use the tape measure on 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 straight putts to drill face and path, but then I'll also have a student take a tape measure on a 25 or 30 foot putt, and say to them, okay, where do you where do you want to start the ball? I think everything's about the starting line. Where do you want the ball to start? And they say, well, I want to start it four balls to the right. So I'll lay the tape measure down from where they're standing to a point four balls right of the pin or right of the hole. And I'll say, okay, your job is to hit a straight putt and let it run out of speed at some juncture to make it then break into the hole. And it just makes perfect sense. You have this linear track that you're rolling the ball down and you're trying to coordinate the speed because I think everything comes down to speed control. Everything comes down to speed control. You want to watch the worst putter in the world putt he doesn't hit it six feet right or six feet left of the hole. He hits it six feet short or six feet long of the hole because he can't control the speed. So once you determine a starting line, everything's about speed control. Tom, a couple more before I let you go. And no, no, uh, obviously, wait, 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 Chris. Now, that we, now that we're done with the playing lesson, make sure you you send that PayPal in as soon as we're done. <laughs> you know, <I> just... <laughs> indeed. Okay, two more questions. Two more questions, and you just heard uh, obviously with with Doc on the show, and and I noticed you posted one of his grandfather's videos uh, on your uh, on your Facebook page. Typically around it, this one happened to be around short chip shots, and uh, yeah. he used a variety of different clubs, but he used a lot of wrist cock in his right hand, and then came down with a decelerating blow and 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 hit that nice chip shot. Is that, is that so? Does that still play today? Is that still something you would teach, or or is it different now no. to get rid of that? No. Well, first of all, you're looking at one of the greatest pair of hands that ever played the game, and you're looking at a different era when green speeds were a lot slower than they are today, um, and and turf conditions were not as tight as they are today. So, when when the average handicap, a 15 or 12 or 15 handicap, gets really risky like that on a tight lie. Usually we see plenty of things happen with contact. So we just want to get the hands a little quieter, um, a little more dead, if you will, uh, when they chip and pitch the ball today. Bobby was uh, a very gifted. I mean, as Phil Mickelson is, as any, you know, as Raymond Floyd was, as any, as Crenshaw was, uh, Faxon to some degree, Trevino certainly had incredible hands, you know, just great hands and they could do, whatever they wanted with the club. So people look at that and they try to emulate that. Well, how many amateurs, you know, have hands like Phil Mickelson? <laughs> that would be nobody. Um, so I, I try to get the hands a little quieter today in my teaching when they're chipping and pitching the golf ball. 
But that video of Jones that you're talking about that people can find on my Facebook page uh, is an incredible black and white of Bobby hitting chip and pitch shots, you know, way back when. Uh, you know, one of my – and Doc knows this because when I met him, I told him this. One of my, one of my all-time heroes in golf was Bobby Jones. Uh, certainly uh, with all the studying I've done and all the, all the reading I've done and all the information I've chased, uh, those old black and whites are some of my favorites of all time. They're incredible. And Tom, another one of your students just had some great success winning it, winning a uh, a club championship. So wanted to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to that young lady. Well, Kay Fuller, one of my students here in Fishers, just won the women's club championship at the Hawthorns where I'm teaching. That was my, I was trying to figure that out, Chris. I think that was, I know I'm closing in on like 50 or 60 club championships or something like that. I mean, through my years with people, which is, which is a lot of fun. It, you know, it's fun when you coach a tour player that wins or you coach a, a really good college player that wins a college event or, or a junior that wins a really big junior tournament. But, you know, club championships are, 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 are very dear to me because it's, it's the, it's the average golfer who was playing his home course at his club in front of his own peers. And it's so much fun to watch somebody have success that you've worked with you know, at a, at a local level, um, go out and, and do something like that. So, uh, you know, I remember as a kid, I won our club championship in my club growing up. And I thought that was, you know, I was like winning like the U S open for me back then. It was a major, you know, so yeah, Kay Fuller won our club championship this week. And, uh, and, and that was, uh, like I said, a lot of champion club championships for me. So it was fun to watch somebody win one again. Um, good for her. She, she worked hard all year and, uh, she deserved it. Tom, remind now, our listeners we, again how they before, can. No, 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 no. Before we do that, before we do that. Yep. How many games? Are, how many games are the Red Sox out right now? Oh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. It's football season. Why? What are we talking about? No, baseball no, no, for? no, no. Wait, wait a second. No, no. Don't, don't be hiding now. You can't be hiding behind the, uh, behind the microphone right now. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're only 103 games out. It's not that bad. They can, they can make a run at this thing. Okay. okay. <laughs> and I, and I know, and I, know what you did. I, I know what you did too. You, my Yankees had three major injuries this week. You put the voodoo on them this week, didn't you? You, you did that. <laughs> yeah. That was you. That was you that hey, did that. Hey, you, you guys with the curse of the Bambino for all of those years. We're giving you the oh, curse yeah, of the yeah, big yeah. poppy and, yeah. and you, yeah. getting your guys back. We, we owe you. But how about? How about all these injuries in sports this week? Seriously, between baseball and football, it's in, you know you talk about injuries in golf. I mean, you know, when have we seen this many quarterbacks go down in the same week with serious injuries? Right. Baseball players, and it's just, I, what are we doing? You know, we're, we're just stressing the body so much right now with so much speed. It's just, I mean, it's fun to watch, but we're we're all getting hurt here all the time. Yeah, and, and like I say, I, to to the earlier point, I think it's overuse. And uh, I think, yep. uh, you know, some of the stuff has, has to do with how well we're taking care of ourselves in the off season and nutrition and everything plays a role, you know, for, for every Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, there's a, now there's a Tom Brady, right? Guys that are doing it differently than anybody's ever done no, right, it in the no, past. Right. And yeah. So kudos there's to that. that. Yeah, kudos. Great point. It's a great point. Great point. Yep. Tom, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you do and uh, come see you down in Naples, get a, get a, you know, on your calendar to book a lesson and then uh, everything that you're putting out over social media. Yeah, Chris, thank you very much. First of all, you know, they can get to me certainly through tompatry.com, which is my website. And then certainly 
all the social media outlets, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I, I chase all those social media platforms every day. Um, as far as Naples is concerned, the lesson book is already open in Naples, and I've got some good news, bad news. Good news for me, bad news for some people. November is already sold out 100%, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, I'll be able to feed myself and my dogs and my wife, so that'll be good. And then uh, <laughs> December is about, about 50% sold already, so if you want to get in in December, you got to get on your horse pretty soon. So, and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not beating my chest, but it's just, it's been great. I mean, Naples has been great to me and the Esplanade has been great to me. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful for both that town and that, and that club that I'm at. Um, but I am booking things all the way through May right now. So if anybody wants to come down and escape the cold weather, and I hope, I hope Chris will come down to Naples finally this winter and we'll play some golf together. We better get, we better get a date set soon. Tom, it's always a pleasure having you as part of the show. You make it so much fun. I can't thank you enough for being here again tonight and all the lessons that you shared and uh, and the great things that uh, you continue to do. I appreciate you, my friend. Well, you know, Chris, when you have guests on like Doc Jones and, and Lisa tonight and, and uh, Paul, the Paul Ramays of the world, and we can go on and on and on, all the great guests you have on the show and Gail Graham and, and so many great guests with their talented people and, and really passionate people. And they come on your your podcast because we think the world of you. And uh, thank you for everything you do. And and we we I enjoy being on every time. And I I'll do it until you put me in the box and put the dirt on top of me. So let's keep this thing going. <laughs> Absolutely, can't wait. TP, have a great rest of your week. I look forward to catching up with you again in a couple weeks, my friend. God bless you, pal. Thanks for having me on. See you, Tom. That's a great Tom Patry, P-A-T-R-I. TomPatry.com is his website. You can find him on uh, social media under at Tom Patry. Folks, like he said, and and, uh, when you try to get down and try to get some time with him, do it now. Get on his calendar. Go on his website and book that thing. Because uh, as you've heard over the many weeks that we've had uh, Tom on the show, tonight was the 23rd time Tom has been a part of the show. So you've had a lot of opportunity to hear the great lessons and the great feedback that Tom has. Get on his calendar. Go see him. You're going to really benefit from it. Heck, I just got a lesson as we sat here and uh, probably changed my backswing. So if it can do a little bit for me, it'll probably do a little bit for you as well. Shave a couple of strokes and get you on the right track. I know that uh, hopefully I get the uh, the opportunity to go down and see him at Naples. Tom is absolutely a 10 times better person than he is a teacher And you've heard what a great teacher he is. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the T. want to send out my thanks again tonight. Lisa Bluswick, Dr. Bob Jones, and Tom Patry for joining me. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to check out our guest schedule, see who we've got coming on the show so you can check us out, and hopefully that's uh, on a weekly basis. Please take a look at us. We're on every podcasting site that we could possibly be on. We're on Podbean, we're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm. Our good friends now on LaunchpadDM.com. Please go on there and click the subscribe button. We really appreciate that very much. Can't thank, again, our friends on Podbean. They're featuring us right there in their golf section. So kudos to them, and we thank them very much. And look, just if you like listening to podcasts across all genres, check out Podbean.com. Please uh, check out our, our Facebook page as well. So if you've got, if you go on our website and you look and see who our guests are going to be and you think to yourself, you know what? I would always love to have asked this person this question, or maybe it's an instructor that you have. You want to be able to say, Hey, look, I'm struggling with X and such. 
can you get their feedback for me? I'll get the question on the air for you and, uh, and be glad they send it out to you. So please check us out on our Facebook page as well and give us a comment. That way you can uh, get your question to us. We re- we're glad to help you any way we can. Folks, we can't thank you enough for continuing to listen to the show and making us a weekly part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. Next on the G with Chris Mascaro.